Bugjargal by Victor Hugo, Chapter 7 Marie had awakened her old nurse, whom she looked upon almost in the light of her mother, who had died in giving her birth. I remained the rest of the night near her, and in the morning we informed my uncle of the mysterious occurrence. His surprise was extreme, but like me, his pride would not permit him to believe that the unknown lover of his daughter could be a slave. The nurse received the strictest orders from my uncle never to leave Marie alone for a moment. And as the sittings of the provincial assembly, the threatening aspect of the affairs of the colony, and the superintendence of the plantation allowed him but little leisure, he authorized me to accompany his daughter whenever she left the house until the celebration of our nuptials, which was set for the 22nd of August. And at the same time, presuming that the daring lover must be lurking in the neighborhood, he ordered the boundaries of the plantation to be more strictly guarded than ever, night and day. These precautions taken, with the consent of my uncle, I determined to put the matter to further proof. I went to the summer house by the river, and repairing the destruction of the evening before, I placed a quantity of fresh flowers in their accustomed place for Marie. When the time came that she was accustomed to arrive, I took my loaded rifle and proposed to escort her to the pavilion. The old nurse followed us. Marie, to whom I had said nothing about my having set the place to rights, entered the summer house first. See, Leopold, said she, my arbor is in the same condition in which I left it yesterday. Here are your flowers thrown about in disorder and trampled to pieces. And what astonishes me, added she, taking a bouquet of wild marigolds placed on the bench, what astonishes me is that this odious bouquet does not appear at all faded since yesterday. See, dear friend, it looks as if it had been freshly gathered. I was speechless with rage and surprise. There was my morning's work utterly ruined, and the wild flowers at whose freshness Marie was so much astonished had insolently usurped the place of the roses that I had strewn all over the place. Calm yourself, said Marie, who noticed my agitation. Calm yourself. It is a passing thing. This insolent intruder will come here no more. Let us put all thoughts of him on one side, as I do this nasty bunch of flowers. I did not care to undeceive her for fear of alarming her, and without telling her that which ought according to her, to return no more, had already returned. I let her, full of innocent indignation, crush the flowers under her foot. Then, hoping that the day would come when I should discover my mysterious rival, I made her sit down between her nurse and myself. Scarcely had we done so than Marie put her finger on my lips. Some sounds, deadened by the breeze and the rippling of the stream, had struck upon her ear. I listened. It was the notes of a guitar, the same melody that had filled me with fury on the previous evening. I made a movement to start from my seat, but a gesture of Marie's detained me. Leopold, whispered she, restrain yourself. He's going to sing, perhaps, and without doubt, from what he says, we shall learn who he is. True enough, a manly, plaintive voice came, 
from the depths of the wood, and mingled with the sad notes of the guitar a Spanish romance, every word of which has remained deeply engraved on my memory. Why dost thou fly before me, Maria? Why dost thou fly from me, girl? Why this terror when thou hearest me? I am truly formidable. I know how to love, suffer, and sing. When through the slender branches of the coconut trees of the river I see glide thy form, light and pure, a brilliancy troubles my sight. O Maria, and I believed I saw a spirit. And if I hear, O Maria, the enchanted accents which escape from my mouth like a melody, it seems to me that my heart palpitates in my ear and mingles a plaintive humming with thy harmonious voice. Alas, thy voice is sweeter for me than the songs of birds who flutter in the heavens and who come from the coast of my country, of my country where I was king, of my country where I was free. Free and king, girl, I would forget all that for thee. I would forget all, royalty, family, duties, vengeance, yes, vengeance, although the moment has come to gather this bitter and delicious fruit which ripens so late. The voice had sung the preceding verses with sad and frequent pauses, but in finishing these last words it had taken a terrible accent. O Maria, thou resemblest a beautiful palm, slender and upright on its stalks, and which mirrors in the eye of the lover as the palm in the transparent water of the fountain. But knowest thou not, there is sometimes in the midst of the desert a hurricane, jealous of the happiness of the fountain of love. It runs, and the air and the sand mix under the flight of heavy wings. It envelops the tree and the spring in a whirlwind of fire and seems to shrivel up under the breath of death the green circle of leaves, which had the majesty of a crown and the grace of a cavalier. Tremble, O white daughter of Hispaniola, tremble, lest soon a hurricane breaks over thee as over the desert. Then thou wilt regret the love which could have conductest thou to me, as the joyous Katha, the bird of salutation, guides through the sands of Africa, the traveler to the oasis. And why dost thou repulse my love, Maria? I am king, and my head is raised above all human heads. Thou art white, and I am black, but the day should be united with the night to bring forth the daybreak and the sunset, which are more beautiful than either.'